To take or not to take? That is the question. A new study indicates multivitamins help the mind, especially elderly brains. After years of disdain, maybe these vitamins do some good after all, but not in the way we expected. A team of American researchers discovered the link. Multivitamins seem to help improve cognitive functions. This is the case for older adults anyway. And those with a history of cardiovascular disease reap the greatest benefits. The scientists described their reaction to the findings in one word, shocked. They expected cocoa to help the brain, but it was multivitamins that helped instead. Still, more testing is necessary the research team is not recommending multivitamins yet, but things look promising, at least at this stage. We're constantly learning more about the human body. No matter how much we discover, we all will die. And after this, the judgment. The question is, have you called on the name of the Lord? Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series that we haven't done in a while called Verses You Should Know. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 tells all Christians, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Stay with me as we ask God's Holy Spirit to help us believe what it promises and to do what it commands. Elizabeth II, with the grace of God, of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, that was her full title. Pretty long and majestic, isn't it? I like the last part, the Defender of the Faith. For many kings and queens, that has only been a title. They didn't really take their faith in Christ seriously, but that was not the case for the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, buried yesterday. Mark Green wrote about the Queen, and not too long ago, shared with me this about her personal faith. It's personal, not merely ceremonial. She does have ceremonial duties, but it's clear that it's it's. It's part of who she is. Mm. I think it is inseparable from who she is. Mm. Um, and she was much criticised, uh, for example, when Lady Diana died. And that very day, as she would normally do, she took the grandchildren to church in Scotland, right next to the castle. And, you know, whether that's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, I don't know. It's for us to comment. We don't know those young boys, you know, what they were feeling at the time or anything. But I thought it was a remarkable thing to do because I think it says to us, where do you go with your grief and your sorrow? Mm. Mm. Where is the place you go? You go to the house of God. Of course, you go to God directly, but you go to the house of God yes. and to his people. And I think it was a remarkable thing to do in many ways. And I think that's her instinct. 
Mm. I'm not certainly trying to pretend that this is Saint Elizabeth and that she gets everything right and turning, you know, uh, anything like that. But, but I think that's her instinct, mm. and I think from her, from that kind of deeply Christian instinct comes almost everything that she does. That's Mark Green from the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. He's written about the Queen. And he's friends with Catherine Butcher, who we've had on in days past on this program. In fact, they wrote about the Queen together. Well, I want you to have a copy of Catherine's new book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. It's a book full of colorful photos, rare devotionals by the Queen, and remarkable stories about her faith in Jesus Christ as she served both her God and her nation. I know you'll enjoy this behind-the-scenes look of the Queen's faith like my wife and I have. I really enjoyed the part about how Billy Graham encouraged her faith, and I believe this book will inspire your faith as well. So after the program, just call us. Make your gift to this listener-supported ministry. You can even get multiple copies if you'd like to share with others along with yourself. Call us at 800-65-HAVEN. 865 Haven, or visit our website to see a preview of the book and make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now let's open the program with Shane and Shane, He Will Hold Me Fast. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter He will hold me fast I could never keep my hold Through life's fearful pain For my love is often cold He must hold me
with Charles Spurgeon and Dwight Moody. She wrote hundreds of hymns to be used at evangelistic tours. That was a song written in 1908 by Englishwoman Ada Habershon. And it's done today for us, modernized by Shane and Shane, called He Will Hold Me Fast. This is A Haven Today in a program called Verses You Should Know. And today, we're looking at the great promises found in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. It comes at the end of a letter written to early Christians. This first generation of brothers and sisters faced all kinds of troubles. The letter shows evidence that many of them suffered the plundering of their property. Others were put in prison. None of them were immune to the ordinary doubts that arise in all our hearts. Doubts about God. Is he really there? Does he really love me? Is he even listening to me? I'll bet that most of us aren't facing those more dramatic threats in our walks with the Lord today. But all of us have hang-ups with God. He can seem far away. His promises seem to be either delayed or, sadly, even untrue altogether. Thankfully, the letter of Hebrews has words of encouragement, both for the very first readers back in the early church and for all of us today as well. For everyone who is tempted to think that the Lord abandons us in our troubles, here again is what Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says to you. And it's speaking to you today and me as well. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? When it comes to a passage to memorize, this one is pure gold. It quotes two portions from the Old Testament, 
So if you commit it to memory, you're really getting three for the price of one. And in these short verses, so many encouraging things are shared with us. First, Hebrews reminds us of one of God's greatest promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord said this to so many Old Testament saints that it's hard to keep track. But this passage most likely has Deuteronomy 31.6 in mind. Back then, the Israelites were about to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. They had some fearful tasks ahead of them, so God promised never to forsake them. Just as he was with them by the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud during their wandering in the wilderness, so his spirit would always be with them as they entered into the land of Canaan. This promise was meant to give them strength and confidence, and the same is true for you. Now, you aren't about to face Canaanite armies, but every day you wrestle against spiritual foes. The devil is always prowling around like a lion. The world comes at you with enticing temptations. Your own sinful heart tries to deceive you. For others, these spiritual enemies take the form of depression, addiction, or abusive relationships. Whatever your battle looks like today and every day, God's promise to his people remains the same. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You might say, but I'm so wretched. I get myself into trouble all the time. How could God be near to someone like me? The answer is simple, but it's also profound. God will never forsake you because Jesus was forsaken in your place. He didn't deserve it. He never sinned. But the Son of God is just that wonderful. He willingly laid down his life. He took on our sin, and he was forsaken for our sin. No empty promise here. The Lord is near to those he loves. He will never forsake you. So better draw near. There's another promise in this passage. The Lord is my helper. This is the only time that the Greek word for helper is used in the New Testament. But in the Greek Old Testament, it shows up nearly 60 times, almost always referring to God. One of those key places is in Exodus 15, too. The Israelites had just crossed the Red Sea. How do they respond to this amazing deliverance? Well, they had a worship service. Moses led the people in singing, The Lord is my helper and my song. He has become my salvation. When Hebrews 13 calls God your helper, it's not talking about any kind of casual help. God is not an extra hand to help us wash our car or take out the trash. He's the mighty hand, the outstretched arm of our salvation. He saves us when trouble is near. When life's waters come crashing in all around us, God is our helper. He carries us through, and he does it on dry ground. Some hear this promise and think they're not the kind of person God likes to help. But Jesus tells you something different. You're carried through the storms of life on dry ground, only because Christ willingly let the waters take him. Not literally, of course. Jesus died on a cross. He didn't drown in the sea. But the waters of the Red Sea are a picture of judgment. 
And that's why Pharaoh and his army were destroyed as the waters came tumbling over them when they tried to cross, chasing the Israelites. And Jesus willingly faced that judgment in your place. What's left for you now is his almighty saving help. Christ is our great helper. He redeems us so we can rely on him in all our troubles. One final promise I want to mention in this passage. It's an implied promise, but yet it's still there. The other Old Testament verse where these verses are alluded to, Psalm 118. There the psalmist says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? We might hear this and think, well, mankind could do quite a bit. Human beings have been mistreating other human beings since the beginning of time. Well, sometimes we have a lot of fear living in this world. There are terrible injustices every day. But the question, what can man do to me, is meant to push us even further. In an ultimate sense, what can a mere person do to you? The answer really is nothing. Jesus himself said, do not fear those who can kill the body, but fear him who, after killing the body, can destroy both body and soul in hell. In other words, human beings can only take your life. And that's a precious thing, of course. But for all who are in Christ, God has turned death into the doorway of his presence. All our fears in life eventually come down to this. We're afraid of dying. It's our great enemy. But you see, Jesus has conquered this enemy too. He is your saving helper. He's trampled death down by dying in your place. Death couldn't contain him. And if you're in union with Christ, it can't contain you either. Not forever, at least. The grave becomes the portal into his presence. And death, well, think of death as falling asleep, but waking immediately up in the presence of the Lord. That's the promise. Man can't do anything to you. Nothing of lasting significance. Jesus is reconciling this world to himself. Then one day, he'll return as the judge. He'll make every wrong right, and he'll raise us up, even those who face death at the hands of others. So, in the end, they've taken nothing of lasting value away. What a wonderful promise to ring in your heart. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the challenges you're facing today. Don't be afraid of the things God has called you to do. Christ is your helper, and he's also your savior. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And by faith in him, you have nothing to be afraid of. When your sky is
Coming out of the book of Hebrews, from the Hidden in My Heart, Volume 1 CD, I Will Never Leave You. Here on Haven Today, verses you should know. Yesterday, at Queen Elizabeth's funeral, many reflected on how her passing was the end of an era. She served her nation as a teenager in World War II. She was crowned in 1952. And over her seven-decade reign, she saw the world change all around her. But the legacy she left behind is the same we should all aspire to. I was a man or a woman who served Jesus because he served me first. 
And that's why I'd like to share with you the book written by Catherine Butcher. We spoke with her earlier in the program. The book is called A Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service, filled with numerous photos, rarely seen prayers by Elizabeth. This book points to her vibrant faith in Christ. And I think you're going to be blessed going through this glossy covered book and to reflect back on our life. I also believe it will inspire you to live boldly for Jesus, no matter your calling. Why don't you call us right now? And the number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or look at some of the sample pages from A Faithful Queen that we've put up on our website, and you can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again tomorrow when again we'll together share verses you should know as we also reflect that it's all about Jesus, the great story here on Haven Today. for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. One of the world's tallest buildings is in Dubai, and it's not all that far from where the world's first attempt at a skyscraper was built in a place called Babel. You can read about it in Genesis 11. Come, they said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. The only problem was, that's exactly what God had commanded them to do. But they wanted glory, to be strong, independent from God. They got it backwards. In fact, nothing satisfies our hearts more than giving God's glory and depending on Him as our strength. Try out Anchor Devotional today at getanchor.com.